0: Somehow the ball that Trevor Bauer turned around and chucked up into the atmosphere, made it around the earth, and finally landed somewhere. Have they found the baseball yet? All of that happened before Zach Meisel actually got to take off and land and get back home. But he does join us, as he does, every single week on the Selby's Godcast, alongside T.J. Zupi and Zach Meisel. And we're brought to you by you, our listeners our subscribers and anyone else that wants to keep us going, welcome, Zach. How are you, buddy? Yeah, you know, I was supposed to fly out of Kansas City.
1: We're recording this on Sunday night, and the way the game was going, and like i I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it down for post game and i was I was pissed because I wanted to hear what Bauer had to say, and I wanted to to ask questions and engage his teammates' reactions and so I said, man i am so disappointed I'm not going to be able to to make it down for postgame and then United said, "Hold my beer and uh, had some flight issues, leaving Kansas City Monday morning now, so
0: well if, uh, were, if there was beer and they were asking you to hold it, probably a good idea you didn't fly tonight. I was going to say good point, but no it, uh, boy what a,
1: what a an innocent Turned chaotic Sunday <laughs> afternoon uh, at Kauffman Stadium. And not just because of Bauer, but then, hey, by the way, we, we made a trade today, uh, says Chris Antonetti, randomly as the team boards
0: its flight <laughs> to, uh, back to Cleveland. It is sort of reminiscent of, and I, and I mentioned this because I think there are multiple connections here, and we'll get to this coming up, but it reminds me of the conference call mm-hmm. with Leonis Martín. We're all jumping on there to talk about them picking up their center fielder for perhaps the next two years and, and hopefully addressing that issue. And as we get started, Chris Antonetti says, hold on, everybody. I just want to say we did make a, a smaller trade right before the deadline. We acquired somebody. Let me see here. Let me check my notes. Uh, Oscar Mercado from the St. Louis Cardinals. All right. Any questions? It's the same, same sort of thing though, where it's like, eh, it's flying under the radar. There does seem to be some connections though, uh, at least in maybe the degree of intrigue surrounding the trades that were made one last year for Mercado and this year, the one with the Tampa Bay Rays, but I said, we'll get there. All right. So set me the scene following Trevor Bauer, putting a ball in orbit that had so many people referencing their galaxy brains on Twitter later in the evening. Yeah, this is going to be different. I think part of it is
1: it's so different. And when a team
0: wins a game
1: versus when a team loses a game, the clubhouse atmosphere. I mean, when when a team wins a game, it's guys are maybe having a beer, they're eating food, music is blasting, and they're in good moods. They're more talkative. When a team loses a game, whether the team is – You know, whether it's the Orioles or it's the 27 Yankees, like it's it's quiet. It's like a library or uh, almost like a funeral, especially on getaway day. Guys are packing up. They're looking to pay the clubbies. They're maybe getting a quick bite to eat and no one really wants to to talk or at least even if they do want to talk, they certainly don't want to give you personality. So it's it kills me that I didn't get to see what that clubhouse would have been like had they won. Trevor Bauer immediately, once his teammates got back to the clubhouse, he apologized to the team. Um, he told them that'll never happen again. He didn't mean to show anyone up. He's sorry that he brought the team negative attention and embarrassed himself and the team. So he said he wasn't sure exactly how the team gauged his apology right away, uh, especially in you know they lost and and they had a an early lead and this was ripe for the taking. You could have. Swept a four game series in Kansas City, stayed one game back. Um, it was it was one that they really wanted, so he was disappointed, and he you know they were all had their emotions after losing the game. So they'll get over it, they'll move on. It's it's in the grand scheme, it's not that big of a deal. But I think I do wonder: had the Indians won, maybe you get Clevenger and Bieber chirping, maybe you get Kipnis saying something funny, maybe you get Lindor saying something funny maybe get some teammates making fun of what he did. Um, You know, I would have loved to get Mike Freeman's reaction because it seemed like he was quite startled by it. Uh, Roberto Perez seemed pretty, he seemed pretty honestly blunt about like Trevor needs to be better. You can't do that kind of thing. Um, That was kind of his sentiment, but I would have loved to ask like, what are you thinking as you're walking to the mound? This dude chucks it over the center field fence and then you have to turn around and ask the umpire for a new ball. Like, (laughs) And and also, like, Terry Francona was didn't really want to get into what he and Trevor discussed, and I think that conversation was very one-sided and had a loud decibel level. Um, so it's just, you know, it's it's disappointing that they lost because I think guys didn't want to open up about it. They couldn't have fun with it. And it is... I, I don't want to make it sound like it's nothing. I mean, my take is I think we all overreacts about it a little bit because it is Bauer. Um, but, you know, I guess the one thing if people say, well, it's 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 dangerous, like what if he didn't throw it so accurately since he did walk four in four and a third <laughs> innings today um, and, you know, he hit someone or maybe he didn't make it as far and Mercado had his back turned. What if he – like I would have loved to ask Mercado, what are you thinking when you're, your back is turned to the plate and you're walking to deep center field and all of a sudden – you see this ball clink off the, the batter's eye beyond the center field fence. Like, so there's just, like, it, it's a good thing nobody got hurt, but I do wonder, you know, they had a good week, and maybe on that plane plane ride on the way home, some guys were joking about it. That That's, it, it's disappointing we missed out on that.
0: Ultimately, it the the biggest opinion, and we all will have one about it, the, the only opinion that matters are the guys on that plane in the clubhouse the ones that he potentially could have hurt with by throwing that ball. Now we know in retrospect, nobody did get hurt, and it ends up landing in the middle of nowhere. And yes, it is something you absolutely should not do, and you rarely, if ever, see something like that take place. It is, on the other hand, a little bit funny to watch, and it's probably just because I'm immature, I can't imagine. This is why I would, I'm not great in a management role and why I would not be good as a manager because I might laugh my ass off upon seeing that. <laughs> and that's, that's not the reaction the manager is supposed to have. I'm sorry. I guess I'm just, I'm not capable of taking things too, too seriously. The other part of this is, I know for me personally, and this is something I've tried to do in my, in my <laughs> more wise years, Lord knows I need a little bit more wisdom on a day-to-day basis. But as I get older, I try to be a little bit more empathetic in the situation and try to put myself in the shoes of whomever we might be talking about. And I know for a fact, the number of times that I have slammed my steering wheel or dashboard while I'm in traffic or turned around and chucked something at a wall, I've broken phones in my younger days just because something really pissed me off. I, I have a really strong temper. And it's, it's difficult for me in this situation for me to sit back and say, hey, hey, you shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. When I know deep down I have done pretty much the <laughs> exact same thing in the past. So it doesn't make it right. I don't think either, either of us are going to make that point. And Trevor admitted as much after the game with his apology, which an apology is an apology, but I think he handled it about it as well as you could after the fact. But the most important thing is how do those guys that are around him in the clubhouse feel about this? Is it something that they're going to sweep under the rug? Is it something that really the only thing that matters is how he pitches every five days? I'm more inclined to think that's what's more important to everybody in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. If, if, he, if he's going out and giving you a chance to win every single time he pitches, then you will excuse some of the things you might roll your eyes at, or you might dismiss it a little bit more quickly. And for everybody that wanted to jump on the, well, this is going to drastically change his trade value train. I'll, I'll let you offer your side of it because I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think in any way, shape, or form today's antics will impact a trade happening or not happening. It'll all come down to talent. And I think if you're actually being honest and fair and more close to reality, you might be on the safer side to say today's actual outing impacts his, his trade value more than him turning and chucking a ball into center field would. And by the way, I don't think one outing really impacts things very much. So that's my take on it. And we can go round and round on, on this for a little bit. But it has been funny to kind of watch all of the, the, the landslide of opinions that has taken place. And it's t- like I said, it's tough for me to put anybody in the crosshairs knowing that I myself have been guilty of doing something like that many, many times in my life. And it's something I needed to improve upon. And he said it himself. It's something he can't let happen ever again. But the most important thing is that nobody got hurt and that maybe that was the most disappointing element of this is that he did put guys in danger for at least a split second.
1: Yeah, I I will say like his his initial statement, his his apology, which he wasn't reading off of anything. He didn't you know, he didn't have a PR person type something out for him. I actually thought it was I mean, it covered everything. It's, it sounded very sincere. Um he was actually really, really good post game. And you never know exactly what you get from him sometimes you know, uh, pre- too often, but like there's always a solid chance that he's going to be, and, and this is why, I mean, a lot of times we we say it all the time, post-game interviews are stupid and shouldn't be used to frame any sort of opinion on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause guys are in the heat of emotion and it's, a lot of times the questions suck um so but guilty so a, lot of times, a lot of times he can be a little prickly and and it's not great like i i say it all the time i hate post game interviews but you know what today he actually was he was like genuine and it was it was surprisingly
0: clean and i don't know refreshing almost so well i mean i, I don't know if it was a a sense of the, oh shit, I got caught or, or what, but no, the, but the I, minute I he think... turned around and saw Tito coming yeah. out ready to chew his ass out, his expression did change. It He realized he did wrong right. right after the heat of the moment. Doesn't excuse it actually happening, but. But that's, that's not usually like him. A lot of times he doubles down and tries to say, you know,
1: oh, it's not, whatever he did is not his fault. And, you know, I'm misunderstood. And, and I think sometimes he's right. Sometimes he's not, but in this case, I you're right. I think I mean he immediately looked like he regretted what he did, and he tried to apologize to Tito. Um, but I, I think that this boils down to whatever your opinion was on Bauer before. I don't think today changed it, and that goes for fans. That goes for fans in other markets. That goes for front office people. If you, if you were interested in trading for Bauer before it's still going to boil down to what the parameters of the trade are, not, oh, this guy threw a baseball to center field in frustration. So you can cross us off the list. I I don't buy that for one second. If you didn't want to trade for him before and his personality and, you know, maybe if if the Yankees don't want him because they don't think he can work in New York with the media landscape and with their organizational culture, well, then, of course, today is going to just reinforce that. But if if you're a team that wanted him before, I don't think this is gonna, this is gonna change your mind enough to say, well, we're not gonna give you that top 50 prospect anymore. You're gonna have to settle for this,
0: <laughs> dude. We just signed off the street. Like that's that's not. I mean, I know and there were some the, tweets saying that the Indians are too smart for that too to let yeah. that be the reason why they take back less than a trade. It's that they're not gonna. The only way that in any way, shape, or form that today's action would impact the trade is if the Indians, the Indians themselves, for whatever reason, said this is enough, we're done. If, if they had had enough and they were like, we're forced to get rid of this guy, we can't have him around anymore. That's the only way that it would impact trade value. And you would never even find that out to begin with, one. And two, that's not the case. They've survived much worse with Trevor. Yeah. And, and he's still a guy that they still believe can help them win a World Series. And that's the most important thing. Teams will deal with a hell of a lot if they think you're going to help them win a World Championship. Yeah, I,
1: I'm shit. I was it had me reminiscing about Albert Bell today because, right. and not because not because he threw a ball in the stands, but um, <laughs> you know there were. I don't want to give all this away because you can read more about this in a certain form in the future. Um, but like when Albert Bell was was coming up, and after one of his many antics, I know Dan O'Dowd was called to to Hank Peter's office and Hank said, look, we got to cut ties with Albert Bell. Like we can't, we can't do this anymore. And Dan O'Dowd was like, "Hank, he's our only prospect. He's the only player in the organization. And Hank Peter said, fine. Next thing he does, he's gone and you're gone too. It's like, like you can, teams can stomach quite a bit. And, and you're right. Like the Indians aren't just going to give Bauer away now. For a bag of balls and a couple bats just because he I mean, they they went through so much over the years. Think about all the times he butted heads with Terry Francona and Mickey Callaway and other coaches and front office members and teammates. And he wasn't performing on the field. I mean, I know he hasn't been up to his twenty eighteen form this year, but he's still a really damn good pitcher, and you're not just gonna give that away, especially when you're trying to fight for the division. So yeah, I mean I I think you you look at the responses in Twitter. Uh, on twitter today and it's boy he's been like a trending topic all day um
0: and you can you can it's great for his brand man
1: well so that's the interesting (laughs) thing that's what i was getting to is like he's so hell-bent on spreading the love of the game and bringing attention to what he's doing off the field this is the first time when usually he says all publicity is good publicity And, and he was i i've bugged him about it a lot the last two weeks saying, like, what do you think about the trade rumors? Like, how do you handle that? And, like, is it disrupting your daily routine? And he says no. And the first thing out of his mouth when I asked him about it last homestand was that it's it brings good attention and awareness to his brand. And, like, t other cities' fan bases are looking up Trevor Bauer and searching his name, finding his company, seeing the videos he's posting, stuff like that. This might... Too many. <laughs> like it's not all publicity is good publicity I don't know if this
0: is going to help that no it probably doesn't help it I don't know if it hurts it though I, I, think, it, I think you put it right it, it, if you loved him somehow this will reinforce that and based on some of the things I've tweeted like 90% of the people that have reacted have reacted in a loving fashion and that's not surprising given that they're Indians fans and the, the people that I know have either had run-ins in the past with him or just don't like him don't like him as an individual don't like the way he acts don't like the things he says they all doubled down on 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 that that feeling today so I I guess I'm not really surprised because this he is the type of guy that you've probably drawn the the line in the sand and hopped on one side or the other and it would take a hell of a lot to change your mind at this point about Trevor Bauer yeah I think the difference
1: is I've got some Astros
0: fans and Yankees fans in my mentions who you know are feeling a little bit differently. <laughs> yeah, fair. I, I, have, I also had to laugh on Twitter the, the reports that an, almost immediately began rolling in about you know, evaluators from other teams speculating about what this does to his trade value, and you could see the machine working almost instantly. And I mean, how many times have we, we've talked about on this podcast, news gets out for a reason? There's a reason behind every single little piece of news speculation or whatever is out there. Somebody's trying to benefit from it. And this time of year, teams are looking for leverage of any way, shape or form. And that's exactly what today becomes a way for teams to try to know. Yeah, of course they would be out there saying, well, I don't know. This is probably going to reduce his trade value. What do you think they're trying to do? They're trying to knock down the price at this point, but, the Indians aren't in a position where they're just going to accept the best offer Uh come, what is it? Four o'clock on the 31st. It, that's they're not just going to click accept based on whichever trade they think is the best. If they don't, if none of them meet expectations, they're more than content still with keeping a really good pitcher. And so any team that calls and says, well, you know, today's, today's antics kind of has me thinking twice about how much I like Trevor Bauer. Maybe I'd like to give him, Maybe I'd offer you a little bit less for him. I, I'm a little concerned about uh, all of the off-the-field stuff we would have to deal with. The Indians would say, okay, then fine. Shove it. Who cares? We're, we will keep him. We're not going to go down this path where we're going to take less because of, of some uh, way to to form leverage at the poker table last minute. That That's all what this is, and the Indians are too smart to, to fall for the, those sorts of of tricks. That's not going to happen. There's going to be somebody –
1: and we can discuss off the air who we think it is going to be, Um, who writes a a hot take column saying like, yeah, like they'll write the hot take column on Thursday, trade deadlines Wednesday. So Thursday saying, oh, the Indians didn't trade Bauer. Like the offers must have dried up once he threw that baseball into center field. Like that, that's what's going to happen. Someone's going to write some stupid column when it, that, that's, If they don't trade Trevor Bauer, it's because the offers were never there in the first place. And look what the Blue Jays got for Marcus Stroman. They didn't get a top 100 prospect. Stroman has another year of control. He's maybe not quite as good as Bauer, but like those are kind of comparable pitchers on the open market here. Um, And so we've read all the reports like teams aren't willing to part with that slam dunk prospect. I know the Indians are looking for a little bit different of a package because they want a position player and they want them to be major league ready or really close to it. But it, it, again, I've told you like this, it's not like the Indians have been sitting on seven offers for the last nine months and are just hemming and hawing and deciding whether they want to pull the trigger on any of them. It, it's, it's, this is difficult. Like there are so many different criteria that the two sides need to meet to be a match for a trade anyway, and so no throwing a baseball, three hundred. Actually, you know what? Shit, that was the most accurate pitch he threw all day. <laughs> like that was impressive. Mercado had just on the single before made a really bad throw to home plate, It like bounced eight times. Maybe Bauer was just showing, hey, I can be a platoon <laughs> in center field.
0: If anything, then... he boosted his trade value. And there are days in which he has said, Oh, "I got unlucky on." this or that, and sometimes he's right, sometimes I think he's a little off base. Uh, today the, the description of death by a thousand paper cuts was pretty much right, because how many of those balls were actually crushed <laughs> in that inning from hell?
1: Oh my god, I mean, you had Mercado lose a ball in the sun, Bauer failed to flip the ball to home plate after it was tapped about 30 feet, you know, Jake Bowers made the error earlier in the game that cost him at least a run, like Yeah, that's why I think I said it was death by a thousand paper cuts, but then Bauer crumpled up the, (laughs) (laughs) fired it into the trash can,
0: launched it into the sun. All right, well, we'll see what happens. The next few days should be interesting on that front. Uh, But the Indians did make a trade today with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I said, it kind of reminded me of the Oscar Mercado trade. From last year, one because it was under the radar, but two because of the talent that they got back. But before I jump in, and what, what initially kind of what stood out to you, the Indians picking up Hunter Wood, Christian Arroyo from the the Rays, reliever and a infielder, and sending away uh, a guy that was uh, in the very low minors, outfielder Ruben Cardenas.
1: Well, a couple things. Number one, the Indians and Rays like working together. You know, they've made a few trades now. I mean, even back to the Brandon Geyer deal a couple of years ago. Um, And they make interesting trades. And you have to because they're both on similar, smaller markets. I mean, lower payroll teams with hopes of being a playoff team. And so it's, you know, usually we just see the trades that are established major leaguer for unproven prospects, big market, small market, contender tanking team, and so it's weird that those these teams have hooked up a few times now over the last couple of years. Um, and it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, clearly Arroyo and Wood are, are two guys. The Rays were in their planning, didn't see having space for next year. They're going to be out of options. The Indians clearly see, all right, Jason Kipnis is gone after this season. We don't know what to make of Yu Chang yet. I mean, there is the shortstop who... Who knows what his future holds? So Arroyo gives them. He's probably not going to play this year. He's on the sixty-day DL or injury list, um, and they're skeptical on whether he'll be able to to make it back. I think, uh, but he'll be firmly in the plans for next year. Probably go to spring training, fighting for an opening day roster spot. And he's depth. He's another option. He was. I mean, it's it's. These are the sorts of trades the Indians have mastered over the last. I don't know five ten years where it, like the mercado trade that's probably the most shining example of it but just find I don't know extraneous pieces and making sure they can use like at, at least testing them out like there's there's nothing to lose here and the reliever that they got or the the pitch they got you know it makes sense their bullpen is is pretty old I mean, Oliver Perez is like fifty five uh, Tyler Clippert is really old um, so yeah I, I, it makes sense you get another arm guy who can throw decently hard and, and be an option for you and you can test him out in September and then let him for a shot next year I mean it, it makes sense Cardenas is the kid they gave up is having a nice season he's at best like three years away probably and I think you hope you have Mercado, Daniel Johnson, maybe Jake Bowers, and, and that's also probably your prime trade target position. So you can afford to give up a guy who may or may not impact you in starting in or twenty twenty three, and you get guys who can help immediately. It's it's you know, they've tried to strike a balance between present and future. And this is we've said they're lacking in in decent prospects in the upper levels. They've got plenty in the minor levels. Well, here you go. It's a way to balance it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, who knows if this trade's going to be any good too? I mean, instantly you you have to form some sort of opinion about every trade. Oh, this team won. This team lost. We, we'll lay out. we I mean, we lay this out every, all these all the freaking time. It, it takes time to evaluate these things, especially with young players. So all that's true. The thing that would that would make me maybe not most excited, but what would make me excited as a member in the front office is when I see another team that is in some sort of turmoil roster wise, or looking ahead to rule five, something where they have a, a part of their roster that needs addressed, that needs fixing. And you are able to offer them what they might be seeking at that very moment. And you take advantage of a situation. The Indians have to do that. They have to take advantage of, of any sort of, it's not a loophole, but any, any sort of situation where a team might be in trouble and you can provide the help, but you're getting something out of it. And for the, the raise, you know, they're looking at, I mean, they might've had to have DFA a couple of these guys um, next year. Then they're probably not factoring into the plans. They got guys coming back off the 60 soon. They just didn't have space. And so, Yeah, you've got the roster spot, and you say, okay, well, we we can ship you some international signing money. We can send you this outfielder that's a few years away. But let's take back some guys that are young. And Arroyo in particular, again, I'm not saying just because they got Arroyo, this is somehow – it's a great deal because we have no idea what Christian Arroyo is going to become. But you're telling me there's a guy with a prospect pedigree that recently was hanging around top 100 prospect, Was part of, uh, I guess you could call him the centerpiece in the Evan Longoria trade. And he's 24. Seems to have, I mean, just looking at his minor league numbers, doesn't strike out a ton. Walks aren't that great, but finds a way to put the ball in play. With the pedigree, the age, the back-to-ball skills, it's something we know that they're really valuing in the organization now. Uh, And and it's something I think, and and I've asked guys uh, all throughout just – their player development staff about this in the past, just finding ways that you're, you're looking for the the next wave in the game, right? Then what, what's going to be the next big thing. And I, I think that we are going to see this transition because the ball being whatever it is, and maybe you don't have to wind up as much to crush the ball over the fence guys that just put the ball in play might be a little bit more valuable because just with one little tweak Mm -hmm. to their profiles, we're seeing with Oscar Mercado a little bit with the ball, jumping out of ballparks and tweaking guys that make a lot of contact. I don't have to seek Russell Brandon and and Joey Gallo to get 40 home run power now. And now I can create offense in other ways, knowing that I don't have to have these big, strong muscle guys to hit the ball over the fence anymore. Not saying that Arroyo is a big power guy, but you you get what I'm saying when you find a different sort of profile that maybe is undervalued. I I think this is, we're spending a lot of time on a trade (laughs) with guys that who knows, maybe all of them, Never make the major, or never have any impact with the Indians in in twenty nineteen. But man, going back, it's the same way I felt after the, that Mercado deal, and I think we talked about it a little bit on the podcast after that Mercado deal. It's a little intriguing. I'm a little in- interested to to get a guy like Arroyo that, as you said, provides some competition for Yu Chang. Maybe that makes Yu Chang expendable. I don't know, uh, but it gives you a little, a few more options. It'd be twenty five going into next year you're gonna have an opening at second base maybe you have an opening at third base because you're shifting jose ramirez around i don't know i like the pedigree i like the the age and i, and I like the the skill set that's a guy i would absolutely want to take a, a chance on
1: yeah to your point about the, the hitting profiles you know two guys that are excited about are one tyler freeman mm-hmm. who just turned at lynch and he's he's hit like 350 at every level and he just you can't strike them out, steals bases, and just makes so much contact and and draws some walks. Like that—that's the sort of guy who could make a, a pretty quick rise through the minor league system. Um, and then another one—I mean, Nolan Jones is their probably their top prospect now. Um, and he like he hasn't hit 30 home runs in the minors, but he's a guy who hits like 280 to 290 walks. His on base percentage is. 400. And so, and he's, he's huge and he's young too. So it's like you figure he'll develop power and he'll also learn more how to hit for power. And that's, you you take that profile into someone who's super productive at the big league level. So yeah, no, you're right. And, And Arroyo's intriguing. And you know, if you have the 40 man space, if you have the roster space, if you have the need for, more candidates in the next spring. Why not? You know, so it's not like, like Cardenas wasn't in their top 30 prospects. So it's, it's a no brainer And we moved international slot money several times now, um, year or two, and they've done such a good job on the international market. It's, it's why this farm system is on the rise. Um, They've got a lot of really intriguing position players from the international market who they've signed over the last few years. And, you know, before this run on international success started, they changed their whole development process. They redid their, uh, Academy hired a new uh, director of international scouting. So it's, it's interesting. They feel like they've, Figured some things out and, and found some inefficiencies and in they're trying to capitalize on them. So yeah, an interesting day for the Indians. You know, it's <laughs> it not never a dull moment. You go into a Sunday thinking like, ah, oh, nothing's going to happen. You just write your story on how the especially when they took the lead too early on, Santana's home run. It was like, all right, well, it's going to stay one game out. You know, they get an off day. Big series starts against Houston. They've the competition is going to tick up here over the next month or so and yeah oh by the way your starting pitchers give a ball into orbit and then they're going to make a trade
0: day in the life a day in the day life, in the life. <laughs> uh, before we go any further i'm going to give a shout out to matthew m who is our most recent podcast supporter over at anchor if you want to support the podcast too just find the link that we tweet out every single week it's either at tj Zupi or at Zach meisel you can find it on our anchor page it says support the podcast And click the link. We do appreciate everybody that has helped keep us going on a weekly basis. Oh, so. Did you see?
1: They, I don't, we haven't mentioned this and no one brings up. That was his second throw. He first threw one, like, against the netting, pretty high up uh, between, like, home plate and the Royals dugout. Like, that was a lot of frustration, almost over the on-deck circle. And then when he noticed Tito coming out of the dugout, that's when he turned around and launched it toward Jupiter. So there were, there were two throws. It was,
0: it was like he had a warm-up before he uh, did his long toss. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. usually fires the first one of the, nearly to the backstop every inning, and then he's ready to go. So that's all that was. Yeah. So the Indians are in an uh, interesting spot. I mean, that's probably pretty much the word of the week right now. Interesting. Leading up to the trade deadline, not just because of you know, what they're doing with Trevor Bauer. And you notice we haven't brought up any Brad Hand trades anytime soon. Doesn't appear that that's going to happen. I really have no prediction on Bauer. A few weeks ago, I thought for sure they were going to deal him. Now I'm not so sure. I think it's probably even 60-40, 70-30 that they don't. Uh, but nothing would surprise me on, on that front at this point. The one thing that's been interesting to to follow leading up to the deadline is seeing these other pieces, parts that the Indians could use. You know, we talked about Castellanos for so long just because he fit the mold, he fit what they needed. And it was really the only name to this point that we just knew was going to be available at some point. But as this continues to progress and we're seeing what teams are valuing and what teams are selling, it does seem clear that that first base slash DH slash corner outfield profile is going to be talking about rental pieces is probably going to be extremely affordable because it's not really in high demand. A lot of the, the competing teams right now, that's not what they need. Everyone's so focused on starting pitching and bullpen help. And the Indians are sitting there like, Hey, Hey, we could use a DH. We could use a corner outfielder. We could use a first baseman. We could use any of that and we can move the pieces around elsewhere. And I, it, I think it's set them up that if they are so inclined, it has put them in a really good position to go out and grab a, whether it's Yasiel Puig or Justin Smoke or Castellanos, I've cooled on, but I mean, he fits the mold. Um, I mean, there's a long list of guys: Jose Abreu. If they wanted one of those guys, I don't think it would take too much to get him, and I think they're well positioned to go out and grab one of those guys. Yeah, did you say Domingo Santana? I did not. I know that's your dude. He's an no. I mean, he's another one. <laughs> it seems like. Um, I think it's your dude, man. You mention him every single time we have any of this, these sorts of discussions. So just accept it.
1: I just like his name is Domingo. It means Sunday. Today's Sunday. <laughs> Sue me. No, I, I, you know, by optioning Brad, Bobby Riley to AAA, they've created the flexibility where they can literally add anyone at any position because you essentially have your DH spot open. I mean, they've, they've used this flexibility to give Lindor a couple days at DH to give Santana some days at DH, Ramirez got one, and Mike Freeman who I've done nothing but doubt his ability all season continues to fill in for whoever gets the day off and has he's been fantastic. It's kind of bizarre. They're undefeated when Freeman bats third which is all you need to know. But it's, yeah, I mean they could add Castellanos and not worry about his defense. He could DH. They could add Yasiel Puig and not feel the need to play Jake Bowers in left field every day. They could add really whatever they want. Um, and you're right. That gives them some leverage. I don't think there's some, there's a crazy, I, I think teams are so much more inclined to hold on to their prospects now than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and I just think there's teams are better at developing talent. Teams are better at scouting talent. Teams are, smarter and front offices are here and and play more difficult. Um, So it's, it's going to be interesting. I think we we talked about that. I think all this activity is going to happen like in the last hours and you're just going to get trade after trade. And it it, it seems like there are going to be trades of rental pieces that go for, like, next to nothing just because there's there's no reason for the Tigers to hang on to Castellanos. Um, and so they might as well trade him. And he's going to swoop in at just the right time and, and get him for next to nothing, I think. I think there are a bunch of guys you can say that with. So, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting, interesting to see what the Indians do. There's no reason for them not to add a bat here. Um, and I think it's a matter of the best and who you know which team like it's weird so i hate comparing everything to hbd god but when we're bidding we don't know who we're bidding against necessarily i don't know in the real world in free agency you know what teams are in on which players, of agents and reporters and stuff but like with this and especially given that this is all going to happen in a short period of time, like teams probably don't know exactly what other teams are offering and at what time and which teams. The lack of the August trade period is going to make things. Teams are going to have to take bigger risks or just get lucky with their timing. I I, I don't know. I'm so fascinated to see how this plays out.
0: So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to make you pick. All the names that have been out there, there are a ton. Kind of fall in the same vein. I'm going to make you pick one that you think fits the best. But we're going to do that after this quick word from our sponsors. All right, Zach, I hope you have as much to say as these crickets in my backyard. Holy shit. (laughs) They are going nuts. The last few nights they've been super loud. And I'm out here trying to podcast. I come outside because I've got a three-year-old sleeping upstairs I got a one-year-old sleeping upstairs. I've got a wife sleeping upstairs, and I got a tendency to get a little loud, so I got to come outside. And I, where, where am I supposed to go for peace and quiet? Even the crickets are trying to drown me out. I thought you were just testing out some new sound effects
1: for when I give a really <laughs> shitty joke.
0: It works. I have to save, loop it, play it underneath you at all times. Uh, I mean, hopefully you have a some sort of response that doesn't warrant crickets to my big question leading up to the trade deadline as it is a quick, quickly approaching. In fact, people listening to this might it might be deadline day. It might have passed already. So this is your chance to make you sound smart, like you just peered into your crystal ball and you figured out what was going to happen.
1: Well, like we did last year when we nailed Mejia for hand. Don't let people
0: forget Oh, we haven't let them forget because we've talked about it every single week leading up to this deadline. So it's one thing to say, what do you think they're going to do? We all pretend like we know, but we don't know. I mean, how much talk about what the Mets were going to do today. And there was talk about trading Syndergaard and then getting strong. So Stroman goes to the Mets and it's like, what? It's still a complete, what? Huh? They're doing they're doing what now? So as much as we try to predict all of this stuff, uh, there's a lot that we just – we don't know because we're not sitting in these rooms and try to get as much info as possible, but
1: we just can't we get it all. We could be. Chris, Mike, if you're listening,
0: let me in. <laughs> Until that happens. Crickets. We're left to speculate. And you know, so we're talking about that first base DH outfield possibility – I think the Indians are in a good position if they want to add one, maybe two of those guys. I mean, if they just want to get completely crazy, uh, they could do that. And they're in a position where they can pretty much fit in any position they want, as you laid out, just with the move of Bobby Bradley down to to AAA. And if they pick up a hitter, then they can choose between whether they want to give Greg Allen at-bats, Jake Bowers at-bats, or they can trade for two and send them both to the minors. I don't know, but they can get creative. But of all the names that have been bantied about for the last week or so, has any of them stood out to you as a guy that you think is the best fit or that if you were in position today, if you were the GM of the Indians that you would be targeting? So let's say all things are equal based on just all the guys that are kind of in that rental mode. Is there one guy that stands out? Are we talking just rentals? Well, I mean, if you've got a different idea, I'm
1: all ears. I mean, I really like Trey Mancini. I think he'd be a really good fit. But I, I think that's going to cost you a hell of a lot more than, right. say, Yasiel Puig or Justin Smoke.
0: We talk, so I don't know. We've talked before about we root for how, how becoming – how journeying into the media landscape and building our careers over the years, how it changes the way you watch games and how you, you root for things, you root for storylines, you root for people. Based on maybe on good interactions, Trey Mancini is a guy that I've talked to once when I was uh, covering the Orioles for a series in Cleveland earlier this year. I had to talk to him about it was some, something mandated by uh, by Major League Baseball, and I had to talk to him about it. He's the first guy I think I've ever talked to that there's always that awkward moment when you're done talking to him and you kind of gauge was. The, the chat good enough that you're going to shake hands? Do you just simply nod and say thank you? you know, you're never quite sure how to end that interaction, especially if you have no previous interactions with a player. First guy I've ever talked to that when I said, hey, man, thanks, and you know, I turned down, flipped my recorder off, and as I'm looking up to you know, finish my thank you for everything, I'm out of here, he's extending his hand to me for a handshake. This dude, I love this dude. Go get Trey Mancini. If that happens, it's
1: usually the last reliever on the team, a new guy. Like, yeah, it's not someone who's an all-star caliber player. So that's that's good.
0: Okay. Well, then, yeah, that's yes. straight for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board just based on what interaction. Though the people I have talked to, writers around the team, people that work for the Orioles, they all say the same thing, that he's probably yep. one of the nicest yep. guys on the planet. So it would be no issue fit, fitting him into that clubhouse for sure. But you're right. It would take probably a hell of a lot because he's – He's not a face of the franchise, and I don't think the Orioles are going to build around him. But when you're in one of these shit sandwich-type stretches like the Orioles are, you need one of those transitional players that's just kind of good enough to get you by until you're ready to actually compete. And I think, unfortunately for Trey, I I think he's going to be that guy. Would you – can I
1: throw a hypothetical trade scenario at you? Absolutely. And the thing that makes it so difficult is we don't know – like, I don't know how – opposing front offices feel about certain prospects with the Indians? Like, I I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what would be fair in my mind. So if this is a ridiculous trade offer and it's stupid, just tell me. I'll just play the crickets. Um, Play the crickets. So let's say, like, Yasiel Puig makes sense, right? He's a rental. He's crushing the ball right now. You put him in left field, slide Bowers to first or DH.
0: Do we agree Puig would fit with the Indians? You didn't ask me, but I was going to say, of all the guys that have been talked about so far, I think he's the best fit. Okay. He's the guy that I would probably target the most heavily if I'm putting together a list.
1: But if we're the Indians for an office and we're, we're talking to the Reds and we, we want Puig, and we can probably get him for something that won't hurt too much, I'm sure the Reds will ask for someone impactful. They, they want major league, close to major league ready guys. But they think they're going to contend in 2020. It it has to be better than what they're going to get from the qualifying offer. The, the... Agreed. And who knows if you know they they might not even want Puig for another year. Who who knows? But um, and they they probably will. But I'm just saying, like sometimes you have to just take what you can get because you don't have any way of knowing. Mm what Puig is going to want or what his value is going to be. And I also don't buy this narrative
0: about him smashing up the clubhouse chemistry and him being a wrecking ball. um, No, I don't. First of all, if a a guy can come in in two months and do that, then your team wasn't that strong to begin with. And second of all, I'm sure that there are a bunch of narratives that probably aren't quite on the mark or maybe even Puig has grown from. I don't think he's going to. Couldn't you see? I don't think he's an issue. If Puig was on the Indians today, don't you think he would have, I feel like he would
1: have climbed the fence and retrieved the ball that Bauer <laughs> launched to center field. Like
0: Yeah. A- anyway, so the only thing okay. missing would be Manny Ramirez cutting off the throw. But yeah. Yeah.
1: So let's say, you know, you the Reds are maybe dangling some people. And you know, there's there's Rice El Iglesias, who's got a couple of years left, and and he's had oh, yeah. you know, not a not a great year, but he's he's a guy with a ton of potential. He's a guy who could ease the burden on Brad Hand. He's a guy who throws pretty hard. He's got good stuff. He just hasn't had the greatest year. And so maybe if you're the Indians, you see if you can buy low on him. And if you're the Reds, you're like, okay, well, I see one guy at AAA who could help us late this year and then replace Puig right now and then maybe even next year be a starter for us, and that's Daniel Johnson. And we're going to start there. Well... We also need some pitching. Um, I think Tanner Rourke is a free agent. Alex Wood, who I don't even think he's pitched for them yet. He just did today, but, first outing. Did he? Okay, but he's he's going to be a free agent. Um, you know, they've got Castillo and then some question marks. So, you know, maybe we want someone like Plesak. Uh Would you do Plesak and Daniel Johnson for
0: Iglesias and Puig? Right, yes so, or no? So, hold on. Hold on. Let, let, let's see. That's the door slamming as I'm on the way out.
1: Okay, so you say no. Well, then the Reds say, all right, fine. act has been good. We understand. And, and you've got decisions to make with, with Bauer and Kluber, so we get it. So what if we go a little bit down the totem pole? What if we say, all right, instead of Sack, give us Daniel Johnson, give us Aaron Savali, and then throw in, like, Nick Sandlin.
0: Is that okay? <sighs> Is it weird that the – the piece in this that I really don't want to move, it's Daniel Johnson. No. But I'm almost more inclined to want to try Pleaseak is and we need a lot more time than we have left in this podcast. Plesack has struck me his profile as being so odd where he's gotten results. I'm not sure if they can continue. I mean based on if you look under under the hood, under the ERA looks great, but then you're like, the FIP doesn't look all that great doesn't strike out a ton of guys and some of the i mean you're looking at some of the expected numbers and it just doesn't line up you're like oh, is the other shoe gonna drop on this guy but then he does things like diving into the dugout I'm like, <laughs> I'm like i'm not underestimating this guy whatsoever maybe there's just something intangible here that he's capable of pitching beyond i mean and we're talking about such a small sample too uh but all that said i would I actually for the right deal on it I would feel comfortable moving Pleisak but Daniel Johnson something about his profile and we we've seen the tools kind of jump off the charts especially since arriving with the Indians even uh last year the was it the Arizona fall league I think he led the I mean he was his exit velocity was was crazy his throws from the outfield were nuts and the the biceps on that dude I mean he just he looks like a guy that is destined to just mash for somebody. I'm not that anxious to, to part with him, even for a, a, a nice long-term bullpen piece. Trading for bullpen guys, Brad hand aside, does make me a little bit nervous. Um, unless I just know that they are lights out Andrew Miller, and that's the missing piece that gets me to the World Series. So I, I, think, I think I'm going to walk away. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, second half collapse, and we'll talk to you next year. <laughs> Sounds good at least at that point I just call up Daniel Johnson and he looks uh, what I think might be actually pretty good. I mean, it's an inter- interesting idea. I just, I don't know. God, this is, this is such a poor way to frame it because who knows what the hell is going to happen in the post season, but I don't know that that adding those two pieces and losing what you would give up. Does that make the, the Indians a, uh, a true World Series contender? I, I don't know. Any, any, I don't anything, either. Any, what, anything, what does that even mean? Anything could happen. I don't know. I just. I mean. Also, do you think like where does
1: Daniel Johnson fit next year? Uh, Are you keeping Naquin around? Is Johnson
0: your everyday I don't left know. I'll fielder? Cross that bridge when I get Bowers there. Bowers
1: to DH. Like it's.
0: I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. But. But no, I'm. I'm not. I'm not all inter- interested in moving Daniel Johnson. At least in that in that trade I'm sorry
1: you don't have to apologize to me apologize to the Reds
0: (laughs) see that's how that works too you just don't align and both parties walk away and they just don't get the piece that they wanted that's how that works but you didn't answer my question I mean was Puig your answer I think
1: so um, I like, you know, I, the Indians like those guys who are signed for multiple years, though. You know, no doubt is David Peralta going to be on the market? Can you get him for people that no one's ever heard of? Can you get Domingo Santana for nothing? Can you get multiple guys? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I have no idea. What this how this market is going to unfold. It, it's like in years past, it's pretty formulaic, like you get the big. The big deals have to be talked about for a while. Mm -hmm. So the rumors leak out and you feel like you have a good grasp on things. And then the residue, like the ripple effect, takes place in August. Like the Indians got Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce was a really good player for the Indians two years ago. And they got him in August. Like Justin Verlander went to the Astros in August. Like it's just so – so different so I, I don't know how like do you have to get the difficult trades out of the way and then maybe there's going to be a mad rush on rentals I don't know
0: yeah so I mean so, even today's the, yeah. the red or the raise any straight today is it kind of strikes as one that teams would probably make in late August as they're looking at well, it's ahead it's, the, next
1: it's year. the sort of deal where the teams would say yeah we're working on bigger things right now let's revisit this once we have those sure. things solved yeah
0: so even like the, that, uh, but, uh, what was the the speedster from Kansas City, Terrence Gore? Yeah, even him getting moved. It's like wow, that's ha- that's <laughs> happening now. What is right. what is Rhino doing? This we're a minute into the match, we're already getting gored. Um, all right, so yeah, it does make it tough to forecast. But I e- even to the point where. Any of those rental guys, you could throw their names in a hat. I think any of them would be fine. I, I would prefer, again, putting myself in the position of I have to make this deal. I would probably target Puig first and foremost. Uh, but, you know, Justin Smoke is interesting. Guys that are switch hitters like him. And, I mean, overall, his numbers look really good. The only thing that does worry me a bit is if the numbers have slumped, especially over, like, the last month, month and a half. But like even the expected numbers um, they haven't been that great the last month or so but overall this season he's in the like 97th percentile in expected woba this year so it's like okay yeah. this guy is probably not getting rewarded the way that he should and so I've te- you might look at the 2.17 batting average or whatever and go oh was- and say woba <laughs> but uh it's a pretty good pretty good hitter pretty good player that if I could have for next to nothing, I would absolutely be interested. The one that I think is would be a great fit and would just never happen. You know who I'm going to say, right? Whit Merrifield. <laughs> well, that works too. We talked about him last week. Shinsu Chu. Bless you. Is like exactly what they could use. A little bit of power, ton of on-base skill. Has never, even even with Texas, Texas, He's never been a superstar, but just like a solid player for so long and he's having a great year, but he's just getting paid out the wazoo. I mean, there's no way they could fit that even with Texas paying down the salary, right? There's there's no way that that happens. Yeah, no. I I mean I
1: they're going to save Kipnis's 14 million and uh I, I think they're just going to roll with that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any chance they'd pay. They certainly won't pay to 21 million next year. No way.
0: Yeah. So, so as much as that would be, sorry. <sighs> all right. Well, I've exhausted. Was that the random resources. minion of the day? <laughs> it was. Thanks for stopping by everybody. I do have one that you will never get. So if you would like to prolong for a little bit longer, you're more than welcome to do that. If you have some other name that you think would fit with the Indians, bring it up because this is your last chance, your final shot before you have to do quite possibly the hardest random Indian that I could find.
1: All right, let's do it.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. So this – Random Indian of the day was drafted by the San Francisco Giants in the 29th round of the 1990 June amateur draft. He went to Kishwaukee college. Oh, Kishwaukee. Yeah. In Malta, Illinois. Uh, made his debut in August of 1999 with Anaheim
1: it's a long journey
0: and his only season and i'm putting that in air quotes with the indians was 2004 he didn't actually oh, play God. in 2003 in any part of the majors or minors because he went to i believe it was japan Uh, How but old he was, was, but he, he was in back. 2004? But he was back in the major leagues in 2004, and the Indians were the last team that he played for in the majors. Jeez, uh, he was 32 at the time with the Indians. So he made his debut at the age of 27 with Anaheim. With, uh, with Anaheim, actually, in 127 appearances, he had a 3.49 ERA. So he wasn't all bad. And he was he he wasn't part of the roster, but he did win a World Series with Anaheim in 2002 was his best year in the majors.
1: Can you tell me what other teams he played for in the majors? That's it. Anaheim and Cleveland. Okay, so it's not Chad Peronto. It is not. It's not Jared Riggin.
0: It is. it is not.
1: 2004 was such a weird year. It, it was. Uh,
0: and relievers, I mean, they had, like, millions and, and this guy did finish one game he has one game finished on his credit in 2004
1: i don't even know what else to ask you there, there's nothing else you can <laughs> tell me nine, how
0: did they acquire he, him? he had a nine era with the indians and uh that sounds crazy because it happened over three innings he pitched three innings with the indians <laughs> over how, over how did they acquire him uh let me scroll down here to your transactions he was signed as a free agent with the St. Louis Cardinals in January of Oh four. And in May on May 26th, he was purchased from the Cardinals. And like on eBay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was Netflix. He was delivered to his house. Um, And he was granted free agency in 2004. Ended up signing with the Padres, but he didn't pitch with them. Signed briefly with the Texas Rangers, but uh, like I said, he never pitched in the majors again. Do you think I will have heard of this person? No. Okay. Because I'm not even sure that I can pronounce his last name correctly. All right, let's hear it. It is right-handed pitcher Lou Pote. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I remember him with the Angels.
1: I have no recollection of him pitching with the Indians. Or is it it Pote
0: or Pote? No, I think it was Lou Pote. That's what I thought. Yeah, so he actually – I mean, he wasn't bad for the Angels, but he only pitched briefly with the Indians. Two games. No, see, I know
1: him because I liked to be the Angels on whatever video game it was back then. I really liked Francisco Rodriguez when he first came up. And so I've I vaguely remember Lou Pote being one of those guys. Like you know, you, you start a franchise, and you trade away eighty percent of the players immediately because you don't like their name or their face. <laughs> and he was always one of those guys I'd trade away immediately. Oh, he's he has an okay face. What's wrong with this guy? I just remember, I liked being the Angels. I like their stadium with the rocks. I like their their red hats and their the A with the with the halo. And I did not like Lou Pote.
0: Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. He did have a career WAR of three point one, and finished with a three fifty six career ERA. That's nothing to nothing uh, to sneeze at. It's, not, it's a lot of people would love to have that sort of career. And like I said, sure. he was part of a World Series winning franchise. Lou Pote. Well, you stumped me. Congratulations. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Like I said, two games, three innings. If you would have got that, then this segment would have been over forever. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to improve upon that. (laughs) I was just quickly trying to search if there was any other cool things about his career. Uh, Yeah, he pitched in Japan in 2003. Uh, Then he came back to, uh, to the States. We're we're happy to have him. Oh, here's one. <clears throat> in 2001, while pitching for the Angels, Pote caused mild-mannered, mild mannered mild Se- mild mannered Seattle Mariners DH Edgar Martinez to charge the mound for first and only time in his career.
1: Well, we should have gotten
0: Lou Pote should have gotten a shout out during Edgar's Hall of Fame speech. I don't know what caused Edgar Martinez to charge them out, but uh will you the man for doing that. Any parting words for our uh, listeners before we hand things off to the trade deadline, when we convene again, this thing will be over and we'll have things to actually talk about, discuss.
1: Yeah. Well, there's one thing I wanted to add about Bauer that I forgot to say. And that was, Did you see the whole Mike Francesa rant I, and then I, Bauer I went back? Yes. Yeah. And so I talked to Bauer for a while over the weekend about it, and he was laughing. He was saying, like, how funny it was that, you know, Well, first of all, like, a lot of radio hosts, especially those who, like, are known for hot takes, and, you know, this can apply to Colin Coward and Baker Mayfield and the Browns, too. It can apply to Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and literally any topic. Um, (laughs) But, like, there are no checks and balances, and so anyone can say anything. And... Yeah, I
0: mean, look at this podcast. How <laughs> we've survived this long without somebody checking but there's
1: out. Right, there's no accountability. So Francesa says that the guy's a nutcase and a fool. And it, his reasons for that are just because I said so. <laughs> and so Bauer's just kind of like laughing at that. Because at the time, he was like, hey, you know, I'm getting publicity in New York. Good for the brand. Well, kind of bad timing then with this episode. Because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure Francesa will mention it on his, his show this week. So, no, it was it was just funny hearing like Bauer was laughing about that, um, and, and it'll be interesting to hear what uh, what the all the talk radio hosts have oh, to say God.
0: this week. Yeah, that's probably the thing that I'm not looking forward to the most. Well, I try, at least it's
1: training camp. So well, I tried, Training camp will take tried, up a
0: lot of. This is true. I tried a little bit to. If, if the narrative's off base, I, I feel compelled to jump in to at least reset things a little bit. Let's center the conversation back to a little bit closer to reality. And I feel like we have to do that a lot, um, especially even in these sorts of situations where it's like you have to at least walk it back to the bubble that this is actually living within before you actually right. address the issue. And you spend so much time doing that. That it just makes you look like you're defending those actions yep. when in reality you're just like, Hey, let's bring, let's, let's put out some of these fires that you've started. Let's reset things. And now let's have a discussion. And it takes a lot of time to do that and a lot of energy to do that. But I tried a little bit today and I was joking around a little bit with my one tweet about the, uh, an opposing front office interaction with the Indians. But I mean, I feel pretty, I feel like it's pretty close to reality, even though I was being a bit facetious with how this is going to go. You did bring up – I'm glad you brought him up. And this is, this is exactly what I was thinking at the time. Uh, Baker Mayfield, and we do that so we can check the box and maybe include him in the info and people will find this podcast because we said Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. Three times really fast. He didn't appear like Juice, unfortunately. Um, I kind of feel like this is it's, – it's not exactly the same. I'm not saying that Bauer chucking the ball at a center field if, is the equivalent of what Baker Mayfield does in the football field. Th- that's not what I'm saying. What I do s- want to compare this to is in the past, when, when Baker has done certain things, whether it's getting these, uh, you know, whether it's with Colin Calvert or the Hugh Jackson saga that went on. And ultimately everybody has an opinion on what these, what everyone should do at all times, really. But, the only thing that ever really mattered is what the players in the locker room thought of Baker Mayfield. And if they mm-hmm. feel like he's out there defending them, if they feel like uh, he's stepping up to speak for them, that he's there for them, then it, it really doesn't matter what any of us think about this. And when anyone on the outside thinks it's all about what the players inside the locker room, think of that guy. And it's, that's the, brings us full circle back to what happened with Bauer today. You know, we could, say how dare you we could say it was nothing we could say whatever we wanted but ultimately the only people that have to buy that apology and either decide to live with it or hold a grudge or whatever the case may be are the guys in that clubhouse and they will be the deciding factor on how how big of a deal this was moving forward
1: yeah and Roberto Perez said a lot of things he was I think he was not harsh but Fair, didn't like it, but at the end of the day, he said, that's Trevor being Trevor. We got the Astros on Tuesday. That's what we need to focus on. That's the bottom line.
0: Well, we don't. We, we don't physically take on the Astros. But we'll be here to recap it next week, along with the impending trade deadline. I'm sure we will we will have thoughts very quickly after that takes place, whether a deal goes down or it doesn't. I am to You the know point- what, TJ? You know what? What? We, let's
1: just, let's lay it out there. We know who the Indians are trading. <laughs> We've talked
0: to people. So let's, let's just say it. Let's just say it. Let's just say it. I, I can't condone these actions, man.
1: No, we're going to do it. All right. Fine. All right. Everybody, just get ready because the Indians are about to trade.